What is up? You have not died and gone to heaven. It's another episode of Life in Jiu-Jitsu here with Mikey Hothi, one of my um, one of my lifelong training partners, if uh, if you can consider life from Purple Belt on. So you actually like train in one of like the great shark tanks of MMA and Jiu-Jitsu over at the Nick Diaz Academy. You um, like how often are you able to like I don't know get a roll in with like Crone or Nick or Nate? Like is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, Crone's his his main gym's down in L.A. Okay, and so I've had the opportunity. So he's been getting ready for fights, and I've had the opportunity to train with him for weeks at a time, and it's a really humbling experience. Is he that good? Oh yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so I've it's been a long time since I've felt like a white belt, but there have been times when I've rolled with Crone where I've just been getting tossed around, and sometimes I'll have my good days, but he's, he's got a killer guillotine and he's got a lot of wisdom to impart. And so I've even started to do some of his like breathing techniques and to try to like work his game into my own because it's so, so different from like what I, cause at our gym, you got a lot of like long lankier guys, you know? Got it. Got it. Yeah. But I've had the opportunity to train with uh, Nick and Nate regularly um nate especially he's he's at the gym i think nick's he splits his time now between stockton and vegas yeah, i see him in vegas a lot yeah here you know, you have follow him on snapchat yeah he's yeah. killing it i think he gets paid to do a lot of these appearances this club appearances yeah yeah and so uh, he still looks like he's in shape he'll always have like shirtless pictures and stuff yeah yeah but Nate's in there regularly. I think he's there. You know, there are rumors that there's a third fight coming up with McGregor. But he's about to get paid, son. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in. Uh, I hope so. You know, he he deserves it. And he's, you know, he's always like supported people at our gym, and he's like one of those guys that has put in the time, and he's he's good enough that I think I th- I personally I think he th- wins that fight. Oh yeah, I thought he even won the second one. Yeah, yeah. the second one was tough. I've watched it a few times and I don't know. It's, it's hard to see anything. I mean, 47, 47, I can agree with. Yeah. But it's tough because Nate sits to guard. He sat to guard a couple times where he like, you know, like when, when Fedor rocked Fabricio Verdum and Verdum was like, Oh, I'm so rocked. Come get me. And he actually triangled him. Oh yeah. He does that, man. Yeah. He did that in the Gallard fight against Melvin Boom, within the first few seconds. Gallard dropped him, but he dropped him, right? Yeah. And then he, got, then he got caught in the guillotine. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's tough to score. Yeah. That's just tough to score is all. Oh, yeah. I mean, he definitely got, like, you know, McGregor obviously like looked like he punched hard, but... Yeah. Yeah, Nate, I think, had that both the, fights. The thing with Nate and McGregor, I feel like, is a case of, like, Nate is better than McGregor at what McGregor is good at. Mm-hmm. So... McGregor is like, you know, when he was fighting at 145, he was the rangy guy. He was the lanky guy from 145, right? He was the lanky southpaw. Um, and, you know, the other thing is he um, had a lot of attack output volume. He would kind of be in your face. And so, you know, jumping up to, you know, 155 and facing Nate, well, all of a sudden, you know, Nate's a southpaw too, and he's the guy that's in your face. And so kind of like McGregor is like, I think badly suited to have that his own game, you know? Yeah. And also I think Nate's one of those guys you just can't break mentally. No. Where it's like, it's so, it's already so hard in the gym that this guy who's like talking trash to you and doing whatever else, that's not even a big deal. That's, that's the norm. You know, (laughs) you got, he's got got Nick in his ear. (laughs) (laughs) 
And so, yeah, I've got countless stories of yeah. like, training with these guys. What's being around those guys like? Uh, so I've had the opportunity to go to a bunch of fights with them, with Nate especially. I went to... Uh, I went to with Nate to uh, the DC fight against, or he fought in Fairfax, Virginia against Gray Maynard. And I was like 18 or 19 years old. So it was pretty cool to like hang out with these like really big UFC fighters. Like, like Gilbert Melendez was with us on that trip. And I don't know, it's just a funny experience, man. I remember one time we had a little bit of downtime. So like, okay, like, what do we do? We're in DC, you know, Mikey, you're, you're into politics. Like what's there to do around here? I was, I was like, okay, well let's, let's go to a museum. <laughs> and so like, you know, that's what I would do if I, if I had free time it's like, okay, well yeah, let's go. And so I ended up taking him to somewhere I'd been wanting to go for a long time. The, the DC Holocaust museum. Oh shit. <laughs> and <laughs> Of course, you know, you, it's all, it's a very serious experience. <laughs> yeah, <very> somber tone. <laughs> and so we go to the, and Nate's already cutting weight. He's cutting down to 155 for his fight and feeling miserable. And they knew what the Holocaust was, but I don't think they, like, you know, you don't know what the museum's like. Have you ever been to the Holocaust Museum? No, no. no. Well, it's, it's really somber. Right? I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're like walking around the Holocaust Museum. And I just, at one point, I looked over at Nate and he's just sitting there, like, on, <laughs> on a bench, like, you know, like looking really down. And now since that experience, the thing at our gym has been like, okay, if you've got free time, don't ask Mikey what to do. You'll <laughs> <laughs> take it like the most depressed. <laughs> Nate's looking at those guys. He's like, fuck, they look hungry too. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, it was an interesting experience. But I, I don't know, at that time I was young. I didn't realize that that, you know, would be something that they Thank didn't you. want to do. <laughs> They're thinking like take us onto the halls of Congress. Yeah, yeah, or just like Lincoln Memorial or something. Yeah, something like more chill. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, how about Nick? What's he like? He's you know he he's always like portrayed as um, kind of like this like aloof type of guy. I've run into him a couple times. He always he always seemed like super chill to me. Yeah, I mean he's really nice. Uh yeah, I haven't seen him in in a while just because he's like been splitting his time between uh, Vegas and and Stockton. But anytime he shows moves, man, like you remember what he taught you. No shit. Oh yeah, like my my guard pass series was all just him coming to the gym like really high one day, and he showed like a low pass, and then if they counter, then he showed a counter to that, and then a counter to the counter. You know, he just worked his way through like ten different moves from the series. And now that's like the foundation of my guard passes. Just super methodical. Oh yeah. So he'll show up and he'll you know he'll he'll show a whole series. He'll go down in this rabbit hole, and then all of a sudden you like master that rabbit hole. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so, so cool. Unfortunately, you know I haven't had the opportunity to see him in a while, but I've got you know he was out. We went to Boston for um for the Diaz. Who's that box? Oh, uh, Marcus Davis. Oh, the Irish hand grenade. Yeah. 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 So they they fought. He at pieced the, him up. Oh yeah, he did. He, he he boxed him up and actually choked him out. He choked him out yeah. by guillotining him. But it was pretty cool because that was my first time hanging. I think Nate was there, Nick was there, and then like a bunch of other guys from our gym. <sighs> but there was a funny story where, uh, so I you know I was like nineteen, eighteen, nineteen years old at that time, and probably like that annoying little teenage kid that's hanging out. And they just brought you along, just cause. Yeah, they hooked up free tickets and everything. Yeah. Fuck. 
Oh yeah, they t- dude. That's the thing is that if you like, if you train there, you're like a good training partner. Like they take care of you, man. No shit. Oh yeah, and that's stuff that just doesn't get covered. Yeah. So I got hooked up with these tickets to this fight, and so I'm like hanging out with Nate. And at one point, we were like going to a restaurant. And Nate's like, "Okay, Mikey, well, why don't you ride with Nick?" And so I was like, "Okay, I must be like doing that annoying teenager thing, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and so I jumped into the into the car with Nick. And he, you know, he's a little quirky and he like smokes weed and stuff. And so sometimes he like, you know, spaces out. Yeah. And I texted Nate while I was in Nick's car. I was like, I was like, oh man, I can't believe you told me to come with Nick. He's crazy. <laughs> and we go to the restaurant. Nate didn't ever respond to it. But then at the restaurant, there was like a lull in the conversation. And he's like, hey, Nick, look at this text that Mikey sent me. <laughs> and Nick reads it and just like looks at me. And didn't talk to me the rest of the trip. <laughs> and then we go back to the gym afterwards. And uh, this is like a, maybe a couple of weeks later. And, and someone was like, hey, Nick, I think Nick wants to do some MMA rounds with you. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I did some MMA rounds with him and I was humbled. But he was pretty nice. He went that. easy, I hope. Oh, yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Didn't even, yeah he, he was really nice during it. But it, there was definitely a like, hey, man, this is my gym. Don't be like talking smack on me or whatever. Be nice. Yeah. yeah. So Nate jumps in regularly. Oh yeah. 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 Daily, man. Fuck, he, really? Yeah. The day that you were there, uh, he just wasn't there. Yeah, he just had. Yeah, maybe he was out of town. He's he's got a lot more appearances nowadays. But on any given day, you show up, he'll train, man. And I feel like that's rare. Like I do. Can I? Go yeah, especially when you're like when you're on the verge of a big fight like that, or you got a lot of money riding on your well-being yeah. to just jump in with hobbyists who might not know who might fall on you funny. Yep. Like if I go to alpha male, am I going to get a roll with Garbrandt? No, Probably you're not, not. going to get a roll with Garbrandt. Fuck. Yeah. No. And so I think that's part of what makes these guys like so damn good at what they do. I like jujitsu is that they'll literally roll with anybody, you know, no fucks given. Nope. Isn't they pretty savage on the mat? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, I I go to a bunch of different gyms in the area and by far one of the best people I've ever rolled with. Really? Oh yeah. Even just like classic, just technical gi jujitsu. Yep. Does but, he spill, does a guy like that split his time in the gi? Like he spends a lot of time in the gi? Too? Yeah, he does. Man, that's some old school shit, man. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I can't really talk shit on it because it's clearly working for him, but I'm not sure how much I can recommend spending that much time in the gi for, for a guy like that, but it's clearly working. Well, know? they do both. Like, yeah. I think on any given day, there's a no gi session and a gi session. And I'll tell you what, if I'm rolling with somebody no gi, I'll be damned if I get tapped out, right? Yeah. Like, if you can get out. It's with, sweaty. Yeah, it's slippery. Yeah. yeah. It's so much easier to escape stuff with with no gi. Also, it's easier to get some chokes in, too. Like, I've got, I've got like a whole choke series where it's hard to get with the gi. It's all clunky right around the neck. Yeah. And all of a sudden we did Nogi. It's like, oh, this is possible. You know? I feel like Nogi, it's really just the art of choke. There's no tough guys when it comes to chokes. Mm-hmm. If you got that choke sink, sunk in, you know, it's not like you, you see, like at that tournament we were at, at that, sorry, the submission pro tour, you saw people letting their arms bend backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not the case with the neck. Yeah. You know, you hang on to the neck and it's like this big block. It's like this big fire hydrant and wherever they move, you can move with it, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's just my view on it. Like I th- I feel like nogi is really just the art of chokes. Oh yeah. So arm drags and chokes and so, leg locks. So that third fight's gonna happen? I don't know for sure. There are rumors that they do it in December. If it does happen, are you gonna go with him again? Are you gonna go with him? Because you missed the second fight. Yeah. You had the opportunity to go to, to to be part of the entourage. Well, sometimes it's harder. So the fights that I would go to, like I'd go to like Boston or DC. 
Uh, be, but the thing is, when they're, when they're in Vegas, like everybody goes, and so it's like a little bit harder to come buy tickets. But for a third fight, I would probably like head fork over yeah, some move, cash. Yeah, you got to move heaven and earth yeah. to go to that. Well, the second fight, like pretty much our entire gym was out there, and like I know Nate rolling like, deep. Yeah, and I, I really kicked myself for not going to that one. I was like watching all like the media covering it. I was like, oh man, I should be there, like right in the thick of it. And so, <laughs> for a third fight, I'm I'm going to be going to India in December. But um, if it happens, I think the UFC it's like late December. It'd be right when I got back. Seems like a New Year's card. Yeah, you get to trying to get the brown. Yeah, we met at uh, Tony Bowie's party. I think is it Tony? Fuck, party? was that right? Yeah, so we were, I think I was talking about jiu-jitsu, or maybe you were talking about it, and I overheard it. And I was like, right here, bro, clear the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> clear the furniture right now. <laughs> thing is, most of the time when you meet people at, like, I've met a lot of people at parties and stuff, like, oh, oh yeah, I train, I do this and that, and I think you're the first person I ever met, where I was like, okay, well, let's see what this guy's got, and I think we trained a couple weeks later, I was like, damn, this guy's actually yeah, pretty damn, good. Yeah, <laughs> It's so funny because at the time I was advertising myself as probably the best guy with the job. <laughs> <laughs> then I had to run into you. I was like, fuck this guy. <laughs> no, we had some good roles. No, we had some good. We still do. We still do. I feel like you've like gotten over, you've like gotten over the hump and I've kind of plateaued for a little bit. And part of that's, you've been, you've just been more consistent, huh? You've been consistent for what, 10 years now? Oh yeah, over 10. I started June right before my 17th birthday. Shit. But recently, I've just been active with like the tournaments and and the yoga and yeah. just, like trying to like get to that next level. You never took any big breaks, did you? Mainly as an undergrad, I did the UCDC program. Okay, where you like intern on Capitol Hill, and, and so while I was out there, I was out there for like four or five months, and during that time, I probably trained four or five times. But other than that, it's been pretty consistent. Like once for, a month for, I mean, honestly, even that. Even that's not bad, as opposed to you know in those six months you get six six good rolls in and keeps the body from from atrophying, as opposed to just go six months without rolling and see how you feel coming back. Yeah, you know I just did a good probably a good six months without rolling. Um, you saw I, I've calmed down a little bit, but you saw I got real into the weightlifting. I got I got really heavy into the weightlifting. I was doing like meathead type of shit i was like doing like the the weighted vest pull-ups and the weighted vest dips power cleans um deadlifts squats you know i was going probably five times a week and then twice a week to jits and uh you know not particularly helpful not particularly helpful for the grappling you know i just wanted to like look buff <laughs> you know you know um but yeah, those those extended those extended breaks are killer because now I'm like trying to find that that spark and that talent that I feel like I, that I felt like I had right. And you just kind of kept chugging along. You just kind of kept slowly chugging along, right? Um, it's been ten years for you now. Yeah, sometimes I think it helps to step away from just like the pure jujitsu and something like weightlifting. Maybe would help with your style, yeah. like. You know, if you get caught in a triangle or something and you or you want to do like a smash pass, boom, just posture up and Yeah. Yeah. Well well I got caught in a triangle about two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't deadlift yeah, your way out of it. Shiloh, if you're Shiloh, if you're out there, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to have you on, brother. You know, he's the nicest dude. You know, for folks listening that uh might not be up to date on the on the whole story, um I signed up for the submission pro tours, uh submission only 
uh, super fight event. It was actually kind of cool, like for the jujitsu community, right? In Sacramento, you should have been on that card. I thought about it. Really? Yeah. But the weight that I think you approached me about 188, and I'm like 170 right now. God, you're lean. Good for you, man. Um, yeah, so I stepped into competition. Um, honestly, um, not to dimin- not to diminish my opponent's accomplishment because he got me fair and square. Um, I, you know, I was not prepared. My heart wasn't in it. Um, I just saw in um, I just saw online that my coach Dustin lost by an advantage to a guy that pulled guard on him and was like inverted the whole time. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I don't- that was his first match. Yeah, he was out in New. He went. He traveled to New York for that. Oh. So he traveled to New York from the West Coast. You know, pay for the tournament, pay for the plane, pay for the room. And you get the competition and someone fucking flops down to their butt and inverts on you. You're like, oh my God, you know, I, I don't want to be the best in the world at this, you know? Nonetheless, I, I don't know. I felt like I wanted to compete. So I, so I stepped in and I got, I got triangled and I tried to deadlift out of that and I could not. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure out like what the balance is, you know? Uh, one thing that you do is yoga, right? How's that helped? So for a while, I felt like I was plateauing as a brown belt. It's like you show up at the gym, you do the same moves over and over again. You tap the same people out, you know, but like I've questioned that sometimes like, okay, how much did I actually like learn in this practice? And so I think I just was a little bit bored of it for a while. And um, in January, I had this like breakup and had all this extra energy and time. And so... I, it was my New Year's resolution to do yoga. It's a yoga studio right down the street from my place, and I've been hitting it probably like four to six days a week. Oh my god! Yeah, all year from January up into what month? In addition to jujitsu, mm-hmm. and the main thing it's helped with is they have this thing called Wujai breath. <laughs> so, so you breathe in your nose and you breathe out your nose, but you like constrict your throat as you're breathing out. So it almost like, it's like you're like firing up an engine or something. And I, I have you this. You can feel it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Now you can feel it throughout your body, but also I, I monitor my heart rate pretty regularly. And when I do this wujai breath, it actually like keep, it keeps you calm. And so I actually brought this over to my jujitsu game where I'll be like in a choke or something, or maybe I'm just really exhausted because it's like a really intense back and forth and expended a lot of energy and I'll start doing the wujai breath. That's just, I'll just keep it going, you know, and I'm able to like, I think I saw you do that at work one time. (laughs) (laughs) I do it everywhere, man. It's the constituent. Yeah, no, I've, so I do the breath and then also just flexibility. Like I've gotten ridiculously flexible yeah. uh, and just helps you to get into different positions and play different types of guards. With know? regards to flexibility, do you feel like there's a certain amount of flexibility that you're born with and you're kind of stuck there or is, is the body a lot more pl- pliable? I think it's a lot more pliable. When I first started, I was a blob. I was really heavy. My first year of training. We weighed about the same when we first met, didn't we? Uh, I was like 190. Yeah, I was yeah. a little bit lighter too. I yeah. ballooned up to like 215 at one point. Yeah, you got big, but you you got some muscle on you too now. Yeah, so. yeah, I got I got biggest over summer, and now I'm trying to now I'm trying to figure it out. I think I might go back to big. Just fuck it, I, you know, it's not like jits isn't going to be a career for me. Mm-hmm. I think I might just go back to just because I didn't even do any supplements. I wasn't even doing any just like protein, just protein, mm-hmm. just beef, and honestly, salmon. You take like, like two big fillets. When you came over and I made that salmon, that was good. I'll have like two of those servings a day. 
Yeah. Like right after we left. I don't think it's good for you. Isn't it supposed to be like mercury? And I don't care. I, <laughs> I don't, you know, who has a sensitivity to that? <laughs> Haley like is very, um, she's very sensitive about what she eats. Cause she's, uh, I think women are in better tune with their body. Hmm. Honestly. You know, I remember, um, I remember being in college and, uh, you know, there was, we had like kind of like a clique that we hung out with and the girls would always be like, Oh, I'm not feeling too well. I'm going to listen to my body. What a reasonable thing to do. <laughs> Where it was like, if it was like Friday night in college, I, I, there'd have to be like a bullet wound through my gut to like keep me from going out, you know, just like no notion of listening to my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good thing to do because I mean, probably it's not good for you, but I don't even really, maybe as I get older, my system becomes more delicate. You know, I'll start kind of feeling out those things like, Oh, I put this in my body and I didn't feel too great. But I honestly, I have no notion of that. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like too hearty to a fault, you know? But that's another thing you do is you eat really light. You were talking to me about, right? Yeah. I have a pretty consistent diet of every day I wake up and I have a smoothie. So I used to work at Jamba Juice for three years when I was in high school. So I've got tons of different smoothie recipes. And I start every day with like an acai bowl or a protein, uh, protein smoothie. And then for lunch, I'll have salad or sushi. I'll go home in the evening and have some yogurt with fruit. And then before I go to sleep, like some vegetable juice. That's it? That's it. Unless, if, if like people come and visit me from, like I had cousins over last night. So, you know, I'll splurge here and there. But it's a pretty, on a standard day, that's my diet. Haley was just showing me this. Um, that's probably why you look so good. Uh, Haley was just showing me this. um uh, this study that they basically kept these monkeys on a really lean diet and they can had a control group of monkeys that were, you know, not. And the monkeys that were on the lean diet um, were like verifiably aging at a, at a much slower rate. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like that process of like digesting and, you know, putting the food away and then storing, clearing everything out. Is essentially inflammatory and it kind of like makes your cells divide and you know it's sort of it's akin to aging, mm-hmm. you know. So I should start doing something like that. There's a really good Netflix doc- documentary called "Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead." Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're not. But it's interesting because it's how it's how I first got into juicing and drinking vegetable juices. Basically, this guy is like t- over 250 pounds, never works out has like diabetes, a bunch of other ailments every day. He takes pills. And then he just, he hears about this like 10 day juice cleanse where for breakfast, lunch, and dinner all day, every day, he's just drinking vegetable juice, vegetable and fruit juice. And over the course of the 10 days, he feels a lot better and decides to extend it for 60 days and ends up losing a ton of weight. He kicks um, most of the meds that he's on and just gets like really healthy. And I, apparently after the documentary aired, he like gained weight again. He so, went back. Yeah, he did. And then, but then they had a, a second version of it, fat, sick and nearly dead too, which I also watched and he did it again. Really? Uh, but I don't know. It just was an interesting thing to, to watch. And so I decided to start doing it and I don't know, it's like a pretty important part of well, my diet. Now. You look great. I mean, I'm sure you feel great. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's so funny cause you're, you're just like such a, caricature of like the long like indian guy (laughs) (laughs) did you like but this is kind of like a recent thing for you like the yoga and the eating line that wasn't sort of how you 
conceptualize yourself. You just kind of you just kind of went for it gradually over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually I used to always be really overweight when I was in high school. Like I was over 200 pounds. I was much shorter. I'm six, three right now. And I was like five, seven, five, eight over 200 pounds. And oh my God. I just decided that I was always trying to like do dieting and eat salads and I'd last a few weeks. And then all of a sudden I'd like fall off the, off the wagon and so, uh, one day I just decided I found jujitsu. I had this experience. I started training jujitsu and I realized if I had like pizza or an unhealthy food or whatever, I'd go to jujitsu and get beat up or I'd just like shit. Yeah. Right. And have like a stomach ache or whatever else. And, and so I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to start eating healthy. And it took us, it was a slow build, but over, over 10 years, I like eventually got my diet to a point right now where I think it's, uh, you know, you practice and figure out like best practice. Yeah. What got you into jits? You wrestled, didn't you? I remember one time we were, you were, you were getting the best of me on the ground and I was like, all right, standing motherfucker. <laughs> and I was like, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to blast this guy. I'm going to blast double this guy and get my revenge. And like, I, I wasn't successful there either. So, and you're like, oh yeah, I wrestled too. Yeah. I wrestled four years, but, um, before I even did any of that, I was, I had this experience in high school where I so saw I was really overweight and I was getting picked on by this guy who, uh, I guess his dad, they used to say his dad was like a fighter. I, I won't say his name, but let's just call him Brett. Like, okay. you know, like, is Brett actually his name? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the thing is, if, if when I share, whenever I share this podcast, it probably will like be seen by him or friends. So okay. I don't know, so. Anyways, I was, it was like a minimum day at school and this dude just, I don't know, he kept trying to fight me. I don't even remember the reason, but he was like that guy, you know, yeah, yeah. he was a few years older. He was like the star wrestler at the school. His dad was like a UFC fighter. That's what they used to say. Like, oh, his dad fights in the UFC. You don't want to mess with this guy. And so I was like, okay, well, I definitely don't want to mess with him. And he kept trying to fight me. And at one point I just was like, it felt so helpless. Like he just you know, kept like pushing. I was like physically like pushing me, trying to fight me. And I just walked away. And that night I was like, you know what? Like I'm doing something about this. And in my hometown, Lodi, uh, like the Diaz brothers are, you know, these guys are like really famous. And yeah. so just Google them, found out like where they train. And it just happened to be a few minutes away. And you're like, fuck it. I'm all in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the thing is that I made it clear. I let people know that I was training and I never got messed with after I started training, but it's a cool story because it comes full circle where, so I've been training for over 10 years now, uh, about two years ago, it was just right before I got my Brown belt. I was like pretty good purple belt. And, um, this guy who used to pick on me in high school ended up becoming a professional fighter. Oh shit. And he, he knocked a few people out. He was actually pretty good. Um, so he was like about that life. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good wrestler and just like real explosive, but he got tapped out in a couple of his fights. Uh, and so I think he wanted to start training jujitsu yeah. and he didn't know he was showing up to my jujitsu academy. And it's funny cause all the guys at my gym, they, they know this, they need, they know the guy and they, they know why I started training. And all of a sudden he walks into the class one day and we just like saw each other and I was really nice and respect shook his hand and stuff, but we rolled and, and you both knew. We both knew. Yeah. You both knew. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was even while we were like, you know, if, if a white belt shows up to the gym, like maybe you'll tap him out once, twice. Yeah. And just like you don't want to discourage anybody. Uh but 
I, I just did one round you with tapped them. tapped them like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time after time. And every, every time we still shook hands, you know, we still kept rolling. And uh, we finished rolling. And afterwards, I was like, you, you want to do another round real quick? And he's oh, like, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I, I got it, dude. I got it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he never came back to train after that. That's shitty. Yeah. That's shitty, Mikey. Call, <laughs> call him up. Call him up right now. <laughs> Brett, if you're out there. <laughs> If you're out there, you can come to Team Alpha Male. We're a lot more. Actually, we're not that much friendlier. We're not that much friendlier. <laughs> it was cool because the gym had my back through that. They're like, okay, this guy used to like really pick on my gi. You know, let's. He's going to get it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Is he still fighting? No. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think he ended up getting like an injury or something. And, uh, you know, it's tough if you. MMA, man. I mean, first of all, if you have a. The days where you could be competitive with like a glaring hole in your skill set like that are, are pretty much over, right? Oh yeah. And and even if you are like the like the best in the world technically, you might not even have the opportunity to compete in the fights that are gonna make you the big money. It's the hurt business. They call it the hurt business for a reason, you know? And um when you're done with it, you realize or you can realize I'm thankful not to, but you can realize like shit, I gave it my late teen years and my 20s when I should have been, you know, getting my education, networking, setting myself up for like a gainful, you know, for gainful employment and, and for, for the rest of my life. And so you see a lot of these like, it's, it's just, it's just a tough, it's, it's just a tough arc to have to, to go through and to watch friends go through where you see people coming out the other end of it in their mid thirties, no education, didn't set themselves up, didn't network in the sectors of society that they needed to because they're spending all day at the gym. Um, and it's like, well, shit, what now? Maybe I'll coach, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, that the other thing that's tough too is like the process of constantly getting ready for your next fight does not necessarily make you the most skillful, you know, because you got to cut the weight, you got to stay tough, you got to like battle injuries. I almost feel like there's two different skill sets right is like the fighting skill set is one but also the technical skill set's another and we're always hopping from fight to fight it's hard to like really like um nurture skill sets over time you know um brett we hope you're doing well (laughs) you're invited on the show to give us an update (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think a lot of people don't see you know, they only see like the glory. They see like getting the belt and like all the fans cheering. And I remember when I first started training, I was like, okay, I think I could do this. I wrestled. I was like good at jujitsu, you know, like, maybe I should be a fighter. But I would go to the fights with our, our guys. Like I went to, I remember I went to Nate versus Diaz versus Maynard three and, um, it's the slug fest. <laughs> it's the slug fest. Yeah. It was in Fairfax, sorry, Virginia. Sorry. I think he got robbed of, of that decision. I think it was like a split decision for Maynard or something. And just remember like how depressed everybody was afterwards. And I think a lot of people, you don't see that, you know, you only see like what's on TV and the celebration and whatever else. And we didn't even like go out and party afterwards. I think we went to like a 24 hour fitness and sat in the hot tub and just like kind of moped around, you know, oh. <laughs> it's like sad, you know, you Fuck. spent you, you spend years doing it, but months training specifically for it. And then you get just like robbed of a decision. It's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't think this is for me. So, I I like watching fights with Haley because she has a really good 
she'll always give me a good view of what like people what people who don't train are thinking of oh, the fight. Yeah. You know? Like she um we watched the fight with like Connor versus Eddie uh Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez. Hey, we fuck. We went to we went to Taco to bet on the fight. We got like a uh, we got a or we just wanted the party. We got a room. You know my buddy Gabe. You know what? That for you know I'll bleep out his name. But Gabe got so drunk he couldn't find he couldn't find the room. He slept in his truck. Is that the blue belt buggy blue belt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He slept in his truck. It was like December or something. <laughs> he got too drunk he couldn't find. The, I mean, it was a party. There was like five, there was like a crew of five of us. And Haley and I had split up like a, um, we'd split like 200 bucks and we we're just like betting on the fights up and down the card. I didn't get one right. Like, not, you not, bet on Alvarez? Oh, dude, I bet on Alvarez and I, I bet all the way up and down the card. Mm. You know, 20 bucks here, 10 bucks there, just to kind of keep it fun. I didn't get a single fucking fight wrong, right. You know, she got them all right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, MMA is yeah. so wild to predict yeah. like that, you know? Oh, yeah. So, Eddie and Connor are, not, are up and I'm like juiced. I'm like juiced, you know? I'm like ready for this fight. And, you know, Connor does what Connor did to Eddie. And Haley was like, oh, that Eddie Alvarez guy must not be that good. <laughs> I'm like, he sucks. She's like, he sucks. I can't believe they had him fight. He's like, she's like, he's a professional fighter? It's like, wow, they have him fight like some guy off this. She's like, no, baby, like that guy, that's all he does. She's like, well, he looks like he sucks. And then I went out and I got tapped out by Shiloh Baca in like 40 seconds. I was like, no, I know what she's thinking. <laughs> I don't know what she's thinking. I suck. <laughs> it's funny, man. It's all perspective. You get, you know, Eddie Alvarez versus anybody else in the world. Competitive fight. Even beyond competitive. He, like, he'll wreck them. You know, he wrecks most people on the planet. Yeah. Right. And then you put him up against someone who's like a little bit better than him and he looks like a white belt. So. That's so crazy, right? That's so crazy. Um, so you. Yeah, you know, just to give folks a proper introduction, twenty minutes in, you you train over at the Diaz Academy, and um, I think just maybe just to describe the region to folks, uh, you know, we're based out of Sacramento, uh, the main academy here in Sacramento with regards to you know the MMA landscape is Team Alpha Male, and then you guys are just like forty minutes south. What I think is really interesting is just how different the two academies are, being. I mean, really just 40 minutes away from each other, but the world's apart, right? The world's apart. Um, I feel like alpha male is kind of uh, dominated by the wrestlers, smaller guys. Um, it's a growing camp, right? We just got that new gym. You've been there. It's, it's gorgeous. I haven't been there yet. You haven't been there yet? Oh, you got to come in for an open mat. Um, but there's also this kind of like this pipeline of talent, right? Uh, Josh Emmett, Andre Feely, Cody Garbrandt. Um, Amir is actually fine tonight. Oh, where? Uh, McClellan. Let me know if you want to go. We're gonna go. I'm down. What time? Yeah, probably around seven or eight. So, uh, but you guys, the Nick Diaz Academy is just kind of like Nick and Nate, and I'm sure there's a few other fighters, but that's kind of what they're known for, right? And also yeah. just stylistically different too, right? It's like we're like wrestle wrestle box over at Alpha Male versus like really pro. And let's be honest about the boxing and alpha male. It's kind of like jab and grab, <laughs> jab and grab into the clinch and take, you know, which there's something to be said for, but, um, very proper boxing over at the Diaz Academy, very proper jujitsu, right? Like it almost seems like the, the viewpoint for it is like, let's just get really good at these different arts and it'll come together mm-hmm. where I feel like at alpha male, maybe there's more of a, of a, an approach of like, no, let's, let's jab and grab and like kind of, you know, more of a blended approach, but like, the Diaz brothers, I feel like either one of those guys could could just box. 
or would be competitive just at jiu-jitsu. They're so good. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely jiu-jitsu boxing focused, but nowadays they've added some, like they've got a really legit um, judo class on Wednesdays. Nick Saldivar, Nick, if you're listening, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's like a black belt. He's actually a really good wrestler as well. I don't remember what his credentials are, but he's pretty distinct, uh, distinguished within like wrestling. And so he does teaches judo and they also have full-time wrestling classes and they have, now they have like, um, they've diversified even, yeah. even beyond. So we've got an interesting stable of fighters. I think some of them you probably have heard of some not, but there are a few guys coming up who I think within the next few years, you'll hear more about. Really? Yeah. You, you ever step in and take an amateur MMA fight? I never have. No, no, I'll help. I've helped. I've like put gloves on and jumped in the cage with people just to help with like training and stuff. But, um, if they, like, is that on the bucket list, even just for, for a bucket list item or probably not? No, I got over that. <laughs> it's not for me, man. I I feel like uh, you know, everyone has their talents. And for me, it's just like even my jiu-jitsu, I'm kind of like laid back and I let like the fight come to me. But I've got other things going on. I, I, I feel like you can't do it with just one foot in. No, no, no. You'd have to like you'd have to talk to the promoter and be like, all right, give me another guy with a desk job. <laughs> i'll be the desk job champion of the world that's <laughs> uh, you know in my um kind of in, in my um in my like kind of unfettered imagination i i kind of fantasize about putting together like the like the white collar championships of, of the world you know and i'm like this is a, like a like who's the best dentist grappler in the world <laughs> like well you know the ufc is not too far removed from that there was the time yeah. what like a decade ago even probably even for some people within the last few years where they were still working part-time and just training part-time and making it happen. I had a buddy who did that. Chris Cope. Hmm. Uh, when we trained over at the, over at the arena MMA, he was like a, I think he was like a paralegal at a law office or something. And he just had like the most ridiculous schedule, man. It was like 5 AM, like conditioning on his own 7 AM, grappling then nine to five work then he'd come in for like the evening boxing you know and sometimes you'd see him like hustling at lunch because he missed a workout and like do like do some work you know and then he'd like be just like sweating balls leaving the mat and like trying to get back into like his shirt and tie i'm just like fucked it like every day you know that'll wear down that'll wear it you know um can you explain to folks, uh, so you, you and I met, you know, working at the legislature, a pretty unique place to work. Can you explain to folks what it is you do, sort of what your day to day is and how that fits into like the broader picture of, uh, of staffing an elected official? Sure. So I'm district director for assembly member, Jim Cooper, who is on your other pod, your, your politics yeah. podcast. And he represents about half a million people within the Sacramento region. He represents like Sacramento, Elk Grove, Galt, and Lodi, and a lot of the unincorporated area in between. So I, I'll do his like political campaigns and organize his like town halls, pre- you know, help like press conferences and health fairs, and just work to like shape public policy. Very cool. You also, um, Act like as a surrogate for him when he can't make it to meetings. Is that right? Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll meet with constituent groups and lobbyists and 
uh, people, you know, he represents half a million people. There's no way he's able to actually interact with all those people. So he has like staff to do it. Okay. So your, your day to day is like nine to five at the desk the whole time, or you're kind of out meeting with groups. There was a picture of you that went semi-viral when you presented Nate Diaz with that resolution. Yeah. So a lot of it is just being out in the community and, um, Sometimes people do exceptional things, people you represent. And so the gym that I'm from is in my hometown of Lodi, which Assemblymember Cooper represents. So we had talked about uh, about giving Nate a resolution for a long time, just because I know there's a certain way he's portrayed in the UFC and on the me- in the media, but he still teaches jujitsu and um, he's like... He's actually kind of a wonderful guy from what I hear. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think... There, if if you I started if this isn't a thing yet, but I think if people who have trained with them for the last few years were interviewed, you'd hear a completely different story. Really, I have stories where yeah, they would. I there were times where I couldn't afford even training at the gym, and they'd be like, "Okay, we'll just come in early and like mop the mats, and you're good to go." You know, no shit. Yeah, there were a few years where I never even had to buy a gi because I. They were just like here, here, yeah. here, here, here. They're like, okay, this guy is clearly dedicated. He can't afford like a bunch of uh, nice stuff because based off of his gi being all like tattered or whatever. <laughs> there was one time where Lucky Gi, uh, they did a Diaz Brothers uh, version of their gi and he g- gave the gym a bunch. And yeah, they just like gave him, they're like, here, take a bunch of gis. You're always here, you know? No shit. Yeah. And stuff like that just doesn't get covered. Yeah. That's not a story. Yeah. So Nate, he's always been really active in the community and, uh, well-deserving of recognition. And so after the McGregor fight, we're like, okay, well, let's bring him to the Capitol. Assemblymember Cooper, you know, honor him on the floor of the assembly. It's like a really rare thing, as you know. Yeah, what was the reaction from him like? He was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And we had a couple of dates, but it just kind of, you know, you get two busy people, the assembly member and then one of the most distinguished fighters on the planet. And so yeah. we just, a couple of dates fell through. And then finally I was like, you know what? I've been holding on this resolution for a while. I'm just going to give it to him. Yeah. And so uh, my buddy, uh, he's a black belt instructor, Randy Spence. He teaches at the gym, the Nick Diaz Academy. And he just took a picture and he posted it on his, on his, I think it's just on his like personal Facebook or something. And yeah, that's what went viral. I think the UFC shared it. And then the next day we were, our office was getting bombarded with interview requests from like all these MMA organizations. No shit. And Jim, you know, assembly member Cooper, he's like, wait, who's share dog? I don't <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, you're like, as your advisor, I'm not sure how that fits into your broader media. <laughs> strategy yeah i was like honestly this is like big in the martial arts community you should do it he was like just can you just do them and so so, yeah i didn't realize it was gonna get so much play but yeah yeah uh, you know he's deserved it for a while so what a contrast like being between i I always thought it was an interesting contrast like you and i kind of lived parallel lives for a little while now that i'm out of the legislature looking back on it um i just felt like it was like a pretty pronounced contrast being between like prize fighters half of your day and then elected officials half of your day. Cause like the, like the prize fighters, their job is kind of to be like the most outrageous person that they can be. So they can say something to get that headline, to get that fight, to cash that check. I mean, you know, Connor, right. Being the, being the model. Whereas like the elected official kind of exactly the opposite of that. Oh yeah. I've, I've shown up to work. So 
you know, you wear a suit and tie to work every day and I've shown up with like fat lips and black eyes. And just two weeks ago I injured my neck. So I was like walking around like an owl <laughs> and, and people are like, oh, like neck injuries. That's serious. Have you gone to the doctor? I was like, oh, it's just it's a muscle pull. Just a muscle, don't worry. And people go, they go nuts, you know, like, yeah. what? You didn't go to the doctor? Like, literally everybody in our office, like, freaks out when I show up all beat up. I'm like, seriously, this is just like a run of the mill injury. It's not a big thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, I remember being like when I was a, when you were a kid, you kind of like play in the sandbox with other kids. It like exposes you to their germs and you sort of like, develop an immunity you develop a a good immune system because of that and you sort of like just kind of play with 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 other bodies right like just kind of wrestling around in the sandbox or sort of like just having playtime with other kids and i feel like the professional world is so like removed from that like most of the world's so removed from that you know zoso's doing a good job of like introducing that back in but actually like that notion of having an actual playtime with other adults that martial arts offers is like sort of going by the wayside in the in 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 the sort of the modern society, you know. I had a um, when I was a field rep, my my old district director and I would would kind of get into it in a friendly way, but she'd be like, "I just can't understand doing something that would like hurt, like for fun or like hurt other people." Do you hate them? No, I don't hate them. They're my buddies. And she's like, "Oh, they're your buddies. Why are you choking them?" Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, I don't know. It's part of the human experience. It sublimates violence. It creates a strong citizen citizenry and it's a lot of fun you know and you feel like you're sort of um harvesting a strong mind and strong body she's like well i don't get it you can do that by swimming you know um i feel like we're you know to use one of donald trump's terms we're we're getting more and more pacified you know constantly looking at these screens constantly being politically correct not that it's a bad thing it's good to play nice with other people you know but there's a there's a pacifying effect on society right which is which is good but we're sort of like losing that like oomph, you know so um i'm not sure where i'm going with this except to just recommend everybody get on the mat choke each other you know uh wrestle a little bit it's a lot of fun um yeah, try to. I hope that there's people listening that are more than just jujitsu. Although I'm not sure, it's kind of hard to get a handle on who's listening. You know, uh, we're in 13 countries now. I saw. Yeah, I saw you posted the analytics. You're popular in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we never, so we never, we never got to the bottom of this with you though. So you started with wrestling, or you started with jits? Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah, sure. Wrestling, and then but you were fat and out of shape. Oh yeah, well until did that, did that I, suck? It, it all happened at the same time. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then it sucked at the beginning, but eventually you stick around long enough, you know, you get you shred down pretty quickly. Yeah. Were so, you were you competitive? Like is that all you did? Were you like four years, like year round? Like that was like your whole Yeah, eventually. Yeah. It's, well the first year was like it was a struggle, but uh yeah, so I realized I, the, the reason I was attracted to jiu-jitsu is because it was so similar to wrestling. Where so the first year that I did it, I lost over fifty pounds. Damn. Yeah. And I just I was like, okay, well, this jujitsu thing looks like pretty similar. Cause when, so when I first went to the Diaz Academy, I actually started boxing because I was like, okay, well, this seems to be a thing. People box, you know, people are. Okay. Like, and then when I was at the boxing gym, they, you know, they had like really good boxing instructor. And during that time, you could see the jujitsu classes going on. I was like, oh, that looks a lot like wrestling. I should do that. And then that's how I kind of broke into that. Yeah. Did you have a period where you were like trying to wrestle through the jujitsu or were you pretty quick at like embracing the spirit of jujitsu? Um, so the nice thing is that 
the jujitsu happened just a few months into the wrestling. Oh, so you're doing them both? Yeah. At the same time? Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who who started who started doing them both at the same time. Yeah. So it was nice because I didn't have to like overly rely on on like a wrestling base and I was like really I wasn't like too strong at that time so I feel like I had to learn the technique a little bit more. So I, we have people, you know, at our gym who who started super strong, you know, and you kind of like rely on that and then you only learn like a certain part of the techniques, you know. Yeah, like maybe you style. learn like 80% versus someone who shows up doesn't know anything is weak, you know, or like like really a heavy overweight like myself and then all of a sudden you have to like actually learn the technique to make a move work and you can't rely on strength. And so I think that's always helped now like after 10 years of doing it and doing yoga and other stuff, I've like gained a little bit of strength and you add that on top of the technique, and I think it kind of pairs pretty well. So for you, it was just like one big like grappling universe. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. I definitely came at it wrestling first, hmm. and my first two years was just like trying to wrestle jitsu, and then I finally sort of gave it up. You can see that in your style because you never like pull guard really. Right? I, no, I never pull. I mean, it's it's kind of held me back. I mean, well, I'm not sure if I can say that, but I feel like there's. There's pluses and minuses, you know? Uh, maybe I should start pulling guard because I feel like my guard's actually pretty good, but I just can't, like, mentally get myself to do it, you know? Um, but I definitely had this, like, conceptualization of the world kind of, like, there's wrestling and there's jujitsu, and they're, they're kind of similar in ways that I don't understand. And then as I did it longer, I realized that they're kind of, like, it's almost like, like what people say about borders or imaginary lines. You know, like I have this like broader theory of martial arts that the the martial art is kind of defined by the rule set. You know, like if in high school wrestling or in college wrestling, you were allowed to like go against people's joints, it'd be all Kimura's. It'd be all Kimura. You know yeah, what I mean? The thing is, I did it a little bit, but that was before it was really popularized, I feel like. So you could get away with it. Like I used to do, <laughs> you know, the anaconda choke? Yeah. I pinned to people. I pinned people with the anaconda. You'd get like the arm and the head and then like roll them, you know, and get points off of that for like near pinfall. And at that time, a lot of people just didn't know that was jujitsu. This is like, what, 2006, 2007? You're like putting people out. <laughs> Accidentally, yeah. Oh shit, yeah. Because I mean, obviously, you can't choke somebody in wrestling, but there are some moves where it's like, is this guy getting choked? No, I don't think so. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's some weird, some weird rule where like, I mean, it's like you can choke them if it's a pinning combination. Ah, oh, that's something like that. Like if they're like turtled up, mm-hmm. you can't just head and arm them, <laughs> or you can't just guillotine them. But I think. And I could be wrong about this, but I think I heard something where it's like, if they're on their back and you're trying to pin them, then you can choke them because mm-hmm. it's like they would have the option of just going to their back to yeah. get out of it. Uh, interesting. You know? Yeah. So I'm trying to get the exclusive here for the podcast. You're you're clearly, um, like your job is to go out and meet people in town. So I, I, I can't think, and, and you're affable, right? And you're, you know, um, is elected office ever in your future? Is that something that you're gonna, that you're interested in, or maybe someday? It's just not a burning desire. Yeah. Right now, I'm trying to just train for as many train as much as I can and like win big tournaments. U.S. Opens coming up on November third, I think. And so, you gonna do that? Oh yeah. yeah. I'm trying to compete at 167s for the U.S. Open. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, well, I'm 170 right now. 
Yeah, but 167 in the gi? Yeah, yeah. But I got some fat to lose. I got some, a little bit. On my- <laughs> what does your gi weigh? Like four pounds? Yeah, about. Yeah. So elected office, perhaps, but like I just have other priorities at this time. Yeah, yeah. When we've talked, you've talked pretty clearly about wanting to show your show your skill set in competition and and uh maybe get that black belt whether it comes or not so you're were you competing like once or twice a month right now um not even so i did the jiu-jitsu world league just a few weeks ago and i got a gold in the absolute and then i did uh what did i do before that oh i did um the bjj tour out in Santa Cruz. These are the same people that run like the U.S. Open and other big tournaments. And so I got second in my weight division and second in the absolute for that. So if I win the U.S. Open, I think that'd be the biggest tournament that I that I've won. And then Worlds is obviously after that. So I feel like this is my best chance to win some of these like really big tournaments. Yeah. So when you go, is it you just go by yourself, or is there usually like a crew from your from your gym or how oh, we work? We roll deep. Yeah. So Do you I, really? yeah, the Jiu Jitsu World League, it was pretty cool, man. I had like Caesar and Randy Spence. He's you know he's the head instructor at the Stockton, the Nick Diaz Academy, like in my corner and just having them there that's awesome. That's like a huge psychological advantage, you know, versus like my opponent. He's got his girlfriend like sitting there recording in his, yeah. in his corner. <laughs> it's like, I got literally him, the Andy. best. Yeah. <laughs> I got the best guy on the planet sitting in my corner, you know? And yeah. So you go into this match. It's like, okay, I do this every day. And these are the people that I train with. Yeah. I think, you know, I've got the advantage here. Do you ever get any jitters going into competition? Oh yeah. You, you've, you're so used to it though, right? You've done it for so long. Yeah, I've competed quite a bit, but I think just like staying active and on the circuit helps. But I think jitters, you know, I think that's a good thing. It helps to like prepare. I remember I would just like visual my visualize myself in these matches as I'm running, you know, I'd like wraps laps around the Capitol building, running three miles, four miles every day, and I would just imagine myself in a chokehold with just a few seconds left, you know. <laughs> and it helps. I've been running some fast miles as a result. Really? Just like imagining myself in these different situations. Man, you're on the vision quest. Yeah. How about the big how about like the big like brand name like the IBJJF tournaments or like the submission only like super fights? Are you does that call your attention at all? Or yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely gonna be doing worlds uh, coming up. I think I think Gee Worlds is uh, or I think that's in March. So I'm looking at that. I I did purple belt. I, well, I've done worlds twice before. They, they used to not have a white belt division for worlds when I was a white belt. And so I, as a white belt, I competed as a blue belt. No shit. And I won my first match. And then I think I lost by advantage in my second match. Yeah. Um, Gotta keep talking. I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some more wine. Okay. <laughs> and so you're getting going for a white. Can you refill? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I did the, I made a rosé. Nice. Oh shit! <laughs> Sorry. I no, no, oh, no. It's all good. I got enough. I didn't realize how much was left. I'm such a dick. <laughs> I'm such a dick. Then so I did. I did it as a white belt, and then I did it again as as a purple belt. And as a purple belt, I was like, okay, I'm winning this thing because I, 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 I had that notion too as a purple belt. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you did purple belt worlds? Uh, no gi. Ah, okay. No gi. Yeah. How'd you do? I lost my first round by points. But, yeah, yeah, to the guy who won. Ah, uh, that's a tough draw. I, I feel like um, you've seen you've seen. I mean, you've seen me take a crap in competition a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people do better like when, during training. You know, I feel like I feel like I'm so good in training, and then I just can't put it together in competition. 
And I, I took my last loss so hard. I'm not sure that going back into competition is is gonna is gonna do it if I'm not like ready for it. You know what I mean? I'm not sure that it would like it do anything but make me fall out of love with jujitsu mm. if I, if I just go and yeah. keep losing. You know? What I mean? think it's hard to do a competition where you have one match. Say you go in, you lose by advantage or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I have no opportunity to redeem myself versus if you go in and you do your own weight division. Okay, you lost. All right, well, I'm going to sign up for the absolute division. I'm going to sign up for no gi. I'm going to sign up. There are so many other avenues to go. And I've had so many tournaments where I've showed up, boom, lost the first match in my weight division. And this actually just happened at this last at the Jiu-Jitsu World League where I lost to this guy. It was a 4-4 advantage. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do the absolute. Boom, face him again in the absolute. And I tapped him out. You know, no shit. And I walked away feeling like a winner, even though I lost by advantage. It's like, who really thinks that's a loss? Nobody, right? Right, right. Yeah. And so that's the nice thing about tournaments versus just having some sort of super fight. So you were asking earlier about like super fights. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I'd, no I'd, opportunity for redemption. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, I might get to the point where it's like, okay, I only want to do. You should, you should and, do it, man. I've seen, I've seen you roll with some, I've seen you roll with folks that like do jujitsu almost does a job right i mean i've seen you roll with some of the best in the region and you're just like mopping people up like i feel like you're right there yeah that's the advantage of going to like a really legit school like so and brown belt under caesar and at caesar's gym like literally you roll daily with some of the best people on the planet like, yeah and so we've got like randy spence he's you met randy when he came down uh, you were going to war with him yeah, well, he's good. The bald man. guy, right? And he's he's a lot lighter too. He's only like 140, 150 pounds. And it's funny you go to a lot of gyms and the black belt instructor won't roll with you, right? Like, I'm kind of yeah. Yeah. So you, you <laughs> so yeah. you so you go to school is, but Randy, he's like, okay, well, good. Mikey's here. I get to like roll with him, and yeah, on any. No, given, I saw Randy just like munching people up. Oh yeah, and that's the nice thing is you go to the, so I go, I'll go to our gym. And on any given day, I can get tapped out by any of these guys because they're all ridiculously good. I'm struggling with that right now. What with what? I I, I especially since the since the gym moved, there's like this infusion of white belts ah, and like blue yeah. belts, and so like I'll go. It's like disheartening, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess I do know what I as a concept. I know what I do to get better. You know, show up more, spend more time, eat better, whatever. Maybe drop a little bit of weight. Um, but it's tough to ramp up when you show up to practice and it's like all white belts, a blue belt and a purple belt. Yeah. And you're just like, I definitely don't have that feeling right now. Yeah. I think every gym will ha- you'll, you'll have those days where, okay, well, you know, nobody good showed up today, but I'll tell you, like, we've got these killer blue. We've got this little guy, Olin. He was like the blue belt world champion. <laughs> if you give him your back, I don't care what color belt you are. Yeah. You're getting tapped out. We've got this another guy. We've got this guy Victor. He's he started training with like Nick and Nate decades ago, right? And he's only he's only a purple belt. Probably it could be much higher. And wait, that kind of that big guy? No, no, that's Rudy. He's good Rudy's too. Rudy good. started with him too. And so people will come in and get footlocked by Victor or choked out by Rudy. And like, yeah. oh, I got tapped out by a purple belt. That's what like, happened to me? <laughs> it's like don't feel bad about that because you know in, at most other places they'd probably be higher but it's nice to have that man you go into a gym you get tapped out i think that's like one of the yeah. most humbling experiences and then all of a sudden you like you know you learn some you learn more yeah yeah it's really um 
there's like a there's this like spectrum of like I don't know how to feel, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like the open mat king. You know, and you're just like, fuck it. Can anybody here challenge me? <laughs> you know? Uh, but it's really it's really just you're... As you get better, it's harder and harder to put together a room that's going to be a challenge, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, fuck, if the invite's still open, I got I to gotta keep... I got I gotta cruise down there a little oh, bit yeah. more often. I think you got to roll with Lucas, too. Man, some of the oh guys that are... Just, a lot of that these guys... guys are savage. Yeah, they're not he's like world savage. champ. Some of them are... Randy is actually a world champ, uh... I think Lucas probably placed at Pans, but the thing is, they're not like super active on the jujitsu circuit, and so the jujitsu circuits for pussies. Sorry, wait, sorry, you're a competitor, but I just, I just hate compete. I, I'm gonna say, no, I, I, I hate competing. I think it's, I think it's stupid. Well, so most of the people you know in jujitsu, they're active on the circuit yeah. or they're active in in the UFC, right? But we've got these guys who've been training forever, just quietly savages. Oh yeah. So Lucas, I go to all the gyms in the region I've been to. Lucas is by far the best brown belt in the region. He's amazing. But people don't know that because he's not going to the Sacramento Open and tapping everybody out, or he's not going to what, you know, all the local, he's not like active in the tournament circuit. But if you show up at our gym, you know, okay, that's the top, that's the top guy in the, for brown belts, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the same goes for, like, yeah, a bunch of guys at different levels at our gym where they're just not so active. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, I keep harping on this, but, it's hard for me to get over. I just I wish there was a there was like a way to compete in grappling that was more, um, I guess I don't know, more advantageous to my particular set of skills. I guess I could even say, but I just I hate the pulling guard stuff. Yeah, the thing is that's effective stuff. though, man. If yeah. you get into if someone approaches, would you me pull guard in a fight? Oh hell yeah, you would not pull guard. In I a fight. would. So it's going down outside of the veers on the concrete. Oh yeah! Someone, well, as soon as it gets to the shit. ground, man. If someone's in my half guard, especially if they don't even know jujitsu, you put arm drag to to the single. So I would I, maybe not even necessarily pulling guard, but I get the arm drag, sit to half guard, and see how they react. A, the, a normal human being doesn't know how to defend that, right? Yeah. Boom! I pick up that single. I get that half it's guard over. sweep. Boom! They're on their back. Game over. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, and I haven't actually had. I've only had to use jujitsu like off the mats like, in a couple of situations, but in two situations, and in both situations, I like pulled guard. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you're pulling guard in the streets. Oh yeah. Well, so I was actually at uh, a cousin party. This is like I was like 19 years old. I think I was just barely a blue belt, and uh, I I went to like a cousin's party and. Everyone's really drunk. I had just gotten off of work. I was working hospital security at the time. I was completely sober. And there was a time when I first started training where anytime I'd show up to something, everyone just, the tr- the conversation would naturally transition oh, to a fighting. And, oh, yeah. Mikey could beat up anybody in this room. Especially with your family, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so. My, fa- my just, just quickly, my, um, years ago when I was winning tournaments, my dad showed my, um, my little brother is this picture of me at the top of the podium. And he showed him another picture of me just like basically like slam dunking this guy into the mat. And my little brother was like, wow, is Gibran the strongest man in the world? <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your cousins are talking you up. Yeah, they're talking me up and. They have this one friend, I won't even say his name, but the, his nickname is Baby Elephant. Oh, God. He's like 250 pounds, roided out, 
like he's huge. And you know, I, at that time, maybe I was like a buck 80. So I show up, show up to this party and they start talking about how like Mikey could take anybody at this party, whatever. Oh no, no. And so he gets all riled up and he's like, well, let's go, let's wrestle, you know, let's see what you got. And I was like, honestly, like, I'm not interested, man. Like, you know, I don't I feel like I had to prove myself. And he just kept going and going at it. We were so he's, my cousin has this like bar out set up in his garage. Yeah. So it's like concrete floors. I'm sitting on a couch just like this. And this guy just is very adamant about like trying to see, like test me. And so he grabs my leg and like pulls me off of the couch. No. And so my head like bounces off the concrete. Oh no. I was like, all right, like we're good. It's on. Now you you got to fight me. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't even necessarily pulling guard. It was like, he pulled my leg and I was like, okay, well, welcome to my guard. And I just boom, pulled him into full guard and I got him in a triangle choke and he taps out and let's go again bro <laughs> well so i'm feeling like everyone's like everyone's drunk and you know and they're all clapping whatever and i was like a little bit like taken aback because I, I felt like it was actually like a fight or something you know yeah and then he's like even more riled up now and then so i'm sitting on the couch again and he's like keeps challenging me and then he pulls me off of the couch for a second time and then i wrapped him up into a kimura tapped him out and now he's like getting pissed off um, like you could, you could tell and everyone else is just, and so at that point I was like, okay, I better get out of here. And yeah. I just like snuck out of the party. <laughs> I lost a, I lost, I lost a, um, a years long friend like that. Oh, he's yeah. drunk jujitsu. It kind of exactly like that. I had come back to visit home from, um, from, from school and, um, Someone was like, hey, because Jose, Jose was like my main wrestling partner. He's like, Jose, Jabron's here. I was, like, no shit. I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize Jose was here. So I'm thinking, I'm in for a treat. You know, I didn't get to see my, my wrestling buddy. I didn't know he was at this party. And um, so we're catching up. And then someone, someone kind of like in, around was like, hey, didn't you guys both used to wrestle? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's how we know each other. It's like, so who would win? And I was like, I don't know. You know, it was a long time ago. And um, we're both just kind of like, who gives a shit, you know? And um, at some point, the kind of the people were like, yeah, you know, we should we should see it. Let's see it. And I was like, I don't know. Because, I mean, honestly, like, I would, I would, I would be Jose. I would. (laughs) He was more, to be honest, he was a lot more accomplished than I was. He was more competitive. I was just bigger. And I felt like my style was just well suited to dealing with him. And I was like, I don't want any part. I really don't want to do this. We're, you know, I've been drinking, you've been drinking. Why do we need to do We're at some random house party by San Diego State. I don't need to, you know, we don't need to do this. And he was like, fuck it, let's do it. So they're like, like before they're like moving furniture. I feel like the person that initiates that is the one who's insecure about it. Yeah, yeah. And so before you know, it, they're like moving this like coffee table, and we're like going takedowns. And I was like, dude, I really don't want to do, you know, like, but whatever. And so I take them down like two or three times in a row. I'm like, all right, are we done here? Are we done here? Are we done here? And. um I kind of walk away and just kind of move off to another part of the party. 
And then he like sneaks up behind me and like suplexes me through this coffee table. I think I heard this. Right? Yeah, and that's the end of. The, I mean, we like we haven't we haven't spoken since then. Damn. Actually, he called me up. He called me up like two weeks later. He's like, "Hey, Jabron." Uh, so I guess that coffee table was like two hundred bucks. You want to uh, split it with me? I was like, "No, dude." Like what? Like just a couple of weeks ago, you said he called. You? Yeah, he calls me a couple of weeks later. He's like, "Yeah." So I guess uh. the host of the house party. Well, no, he calls me weeks after the the incident. He's like, "The host of the house party." I guess they're telling me that we need to like pay for the coffee table. And I was like, "All right, well, you know, you should do that. See you." And he's like, "No, dude. I mean, like, you know, you kind of." You should split it with me. I'm like, no, I'm not going to split it with you, dude. You fucking threw me through this coffee table. What the heck? <laughs> you know? But, um, but yeah, and that's the last time I really talked to him, hmm. which is too bad because he was, he was a good friend. But that's the thing that happens, right? It's like people start like talking up yeah. like martial arts. It's like, oh, I could beat you. I could beat you. So that still happens to me where people are, you're, you're at a party and like, oh, you train, you train. Let's see who's better. No, let's and, not. And so my way out of it, it's like, okay, I don't want to get rug burn and get all sweaty. I'm like I in know. nice clothes. And so my thing has just been like, okay, well, if you're willing to put some money down on it, I'll do it. Yeah. And so I was actually at a friend's party. It's been over. It's been a couple of years now, and apparently, like one of the guys is a really good wrestler. And so even he was like, okay, well, let's see who's better, you know. And I was like, honestly, if if I if you want to put a couple hundred bucks on it, I'm down to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need like forty bucks from everybody here. <laughs> It's like, why else, man? I have nothing to prove to you. You know, I've been yeah, doing this yeah, long enough. Yeah. And there was a time when I was a white belt or like a, even when I was a blue belt where I was like, okay, I'll prove myself yeah. here. I don't want to show everybody I'm good. But it's like, okay, you've been around long enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, you know, I've been guilty of being, I've been guilty of being a little hot headed in the past, mm. you know? Um, oh, just at like parties and stuff. Yeah, I just at parties and stuff like that. But yeah, you have nothing to prove, man. You're a brown belt under a legit school. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, to you get to you get to a point where it's like shit. I mean, this I'm like, uh, like semi professional at this. Like I've done this for so long. You know what I mean? When I start making money from the podcast, I'm gonna tell people honestly. I make money from podcasting, so you're gonna have to pay me to talk to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 yeah, man, this is a nice setup. I'm enjoying. This. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Haley's been Haley's been a a, a great uh, influence on in it, just in terms of like, yeah, no, you should do it. You should do it. You know, she's so cool. She gets these like little. Um, she got these. Little, she gets these little like micro obsessions, and it won't be over till she till she like does something about it. Mm-hmm. She like really just like does something about her whatever whatever's kind of tickling her fancy, you know. Um, that camp, that stupid camper that we have on the truck. Have you seen that thing? Uh, no. I it's don't. like that tent that pops up from the back of her truck. Oh, okay. She saw things. She was like, oh, I, want, I think I want to do some camping this year. And so we did like 10 camping trips this year, oh. you know, because she was like, oh, I think this is something I want to get into. Hmm. And just piece by piece, she's just very, she's like you actually, she's very methodical. Hmm. You know, just like, oh, yeah, well, I guess we'll get a camper. We'll start going. Then she just starts planning, you know. And, uh, that that's sort of something that I that I lack. That sort of like methodical sort of you know I'm more of a I don't know creative spirit I guess you know but that like real like nitty gritty like let's plan this out let's make this vision a reality. Uh, she she's sort of helped to um, 
to spur along the better the better angels in my nature, you know. It's good to have people to compliment you. It is good to have people to compliment you, you know. You'd been looking for love for a little while, right? You went through a breakup. <laughs> yeah. So, so since January, so uh, yeah. Just enjoying life right now. You said something to me. I'm not going to put you too 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 much on the spot, but you said something to me that was interesting. Where you said you feel like for the first time and it's like cool to date like an ethnic guy. Yeah. We can cut this out if you want. <laughs> we can cut this out if you want. <laughs> no, no. Um, well, I feel like there's just a renaissance, right? It's specific. I, I'm talking to like about the Indian community where you had a lot of people whose parents came in the eighties and nineties, like laborers. My parents are both like farm workers and like factory workers, like really tough jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have uh, like their kids coming up and like education and like working hard. It's like it's instilled early on. Like we came here so you can make something of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so if for my parents, if I, you know, like some people don't have the opportunity to graduate high school, like that was beyond expect. I was expected to graduate college. And like if that didn't happen, there was an issue. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see people who are coming of age, um, uh, like and like the Hassan Minajes, the Aziz and sorry, these people like in their 20s and 30s who had like from sim- from those communities, yeah, from these yeah. communities, and all of a sudden, people are recognizing, whoa, like, like you know, this is an exceptional community here. Are these standard bears, and so you're even seeing it in politics. We finally. You know, we're having like more Indian staff previously in our community. It was like, okay, well, you need to be a, a physician or an engineer or that's it. Right. And right. You're starting to see some more diversity there. And, and or so it's like you're, it's kind of becoming acceptable for a guy like you to go into politics and explore that as opposed to like, oh, you need to be an engineer or you need to be. Oh, a, yeah. Yeah. Right, right. When I started working in politics, I remember my dad was like, like hey, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, basically, he just was like, hey, like, you know, you're working this campaign against this other person, like, just so you know, people get killed doing this stuff. And Oh, he's thinking about the old, like, oh, yeah. he's thinking about back, back at home. Yeah, and well, in India, that was a thing. If, you're, if your political party was out, boom, off with your head, you know? Fuck, that's going on right now, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I haven't followed Indian politics sure, closely. Sure. I, I, my understanding is that it's a little bit better nowadays. Sure. You know, as like the country's progressed, but um, like in, in so there was a 1984 Sikh genocide, and that's the reason that a lot of like people from the Sikh community, it's Sikh, Sikhism is like a big religion, and that's like that's my faith and the faith of like people in my family, and so that's the, that's the reason that a lot of uh, Sikhs are in this area is because because of this genocide that occurred in India in 1984. Oh my goodness. And it was like, it was very much a political thing out there. And all of a sudden I'm working the Capitol and doing this stuff. And my dad's just like, Hey, like be careful. And it's like, dad, it's like a little bit different, different here. Yeah. yeah. Also I'm good at jujitsu. So. <laughs> <laughs> <They> must- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's been like this Renaissance where it's kind of like, you were kind of like that community is like the, and also just maybe like people who are Brown of all of, you know, from other communities, Mexican, Latino uh, of color generally are starting to intermingle with some of the upper echelons of society where oh, they yeah. perhaps have not been able to. Oh yeah. Across the board. Even yeah. like I was at the tower bridge dinner last weekend. It's like one of the ritziest events. And I just got the sense that I, when I was there, I was like, okay, like this event two decades ago would You'd look- be like the only, the only yeah. white guy. Oh yeah. But it was a really diverse event. And so finally I think you're, Especially in Sacramento, Sacramento is supposed to. We had 
one of the most diverse area codes in the entire, actually the most diverse area code in the entire country just a few years ago really? up, up in Natomas. And so this is one of the most diverse cities on the planet. And so you see like equity, right? Yeah. Like it's not like, okay, well, if you're in a position of power, you're, you're from this background or whatever. It's like, finally people of color are in positions of power and that's, you know, people find that attractive. And so I, I th- right, right. think it's like, we're in a renaissance right now and eventually it's going to become the norm, you know? Yeah. Like intermingling in general, yeah. which is a good thing. Your parents must be so proud of you. I think so. At first I think they were pretty disappointed that I didn't go to like grad school or anything. And well, that's still not, I mean, that's still possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they're definitely proud that I graduated from UCLA. I know they bragged all their friends about it. And at first they were like unsure about the political thing. But we have so many, like, doctors and people, you know, in certain, like, engineers. Right, right. It was kind of like, uh, you know, huh, who was saying this? Oh, uh, my buddy Mike uh, Lagandon. No, um, Merrimill, I think. He's a pro- United States probation officer. Hmm. He came from the Philippines. Huh? But he was always saying, like, you know, his parents would be like, you know, honey, you'll be doctor. You know, doctor, make good money. Yeah. You know, or a mailman, because it's, like, stable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he, he went down his path. But he, he was saying, like, there's definitely, like, a a thing that happens when you like toiled to get here. It's like, we came here so you could make something of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So that definitely was probably not in the playbook, right? It was like volunteering for campaigns. Yeah. And- but now it's distinctive where it's like, Oh, my son like works in politics. He works at the Capitol, blah, blah, blah. And, and then there are, so I think now it's bragging rights for them. Like I ran as a delegate to the California democratic party. I got elected. And so like, boom, they're calling all of their uncle, you know, all the family in India and letting them know. And and they were able to see the vision a little bit. Like once you kind of painted it for them, they were able to more clearly see the vision. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. You ever go back to India? I'm going in December. No shit. Before. Just, just cause I'm going with my cousin. Do you have like a, do you have like family established there still or how does that work? Uh, more distant Are you two relatives. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely will have contacts there and just through, through working in politics, I've got I've, anytime like an Indian elected official comes to the state capitol, I, they end up, I end up meeting them. And so very cool. Got like a Rolodex of folks to call. And so awesome. 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 All right. We're at about an hour. Final thoughts. I don't know. It's pretty comprehensive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where can people find you online? Where can people follow you on Instagram? Uh, what's my Instagram? I think it's Mikey2345. Mikey2345. All right, let's have a renaissance on this Instagram, guys. Let's get him some follows. <laughs> Thank you. This has been another episode. Thanks for joining.